all the time, but at least give us a chance, you know, five times to get to know us, okay? I think that's all I have, and I'm going to invite Pastor Rick up. Thank you, Andy. Welcome to almost Sunday Christmas. Well, it's almost Sunday Christmas, right? Christmas is two more days, three more days away. And so this is our chance to celebrate Christmas together on a Sunday morning. Welcome to Renovation Vineyard. We hope that you uh, enjoy the service. If this is your first time or you haven't been here in a while, be sure to fill out that Connect card. Uh, you, you can find one right there in front of you on the chair. Um, and then drop that in the offering at the end of the service. And if you haven't finished shopping for Christmas, you are among good company. <laughs> Neither have I. So uh, I'll be in the stores sometime today and tomorrow to finish up all I've got to do. Uh, one more thing about the, uh, the end of our service. You probably have noticed on, at the end of our service we do communion together. We really do that because it is a communion a chance for the church to celebrate together what the Lord has done in our lives. It's also a chance for you to give. Now, your giving, your tithes and your offerings help the church out. Certainly that helps us make our budget, support our missions, um, do outreaches, and make the, the whole week's ministry happen. But, you know, our offering really is for you as a church. When we let go of our resources... God does something in our own hearts. When we give, when we're generous, God changes our lives. And so God wants us to give, sure, to support ministries, but God wants us to give because he wants our hearts. And so at the end of the service, you'll have a chance to take communion together with some of us, and you'll also have a chance to give. And we invite you to do that. If you need to get prepared for that beforehand, you could do that. And... Um, and be a part of both the communion and the giving. Now, uh, this morning's teaching takes us a little bit deeper into our message on the Christmas story. I know churches all over the world are doing this. Isn't it exciting actually to know that churches all around the globe, 24-7, you know, every time zone, they're worshiping Jesus and they're celebrating the birth of Jesus today. And then Christmas Eve. And then some of them will have Christmas Day services, depending on where you live. And so we get to be a part of that grand orchestra of praise that goes on all around the globe this time of year. And so this morning, we want to join the story and join Mary and Joseph in Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to jump into one verse at the end uh, well, not at the end, but at the end of this part of the story in verse 13. So Luke chapter 2, and this is, the, this is when Joseph and Mary took the journey from Nazareth to Bethlehem. And what God did in that, in that journey, in that incredible journey. Now, most of the time during Advent season, we read and we talk about how the angel spoke to her and then maybe how she went over to Elizabeth's house and and celebrated with her with John's uh, uh, soon-to-be birth. And, you know, so we celebrate, and we've looked at some of those passages as well. And, uh, and so it's good to look at all those, all, those, uh, all those passages, but here is the passage that takes us straight into Bethlehem, that takes us straight in to when Jesus 
was born. Now, a lot of times we look at how it got started, how the starting of the whole nativity and the birth of Jesus uh, happened. But we're looking at Mary today. I want us to look at, at the character of Mary and what happened to her. And one of the things that we could do today is not just look at how it started, but we can also look at where it ended. Where did this gospel story take Mary? What happened to her as a result of all these things that were happening in her life? And to do that, I want to read one verse in the book of Acts. Okay? Just one verse to, to let you know where this, all these events took uh, the character of Mary. Um, in the book of Acts chapter 1, Jesus had, had already appeared as the resurrected Savior, and here was this group of people, disciples and followers, who saw Jesus ascend up into heaven in a cloud. And just a few hours later, here are Jesus' followers going into Jerusalem, finding a place, and they begin to get organized, and they begin to gather so that they could pray and wait and prepare on what God was getting ready to do. And each one of the disciples was there, and, and the verses share every name of each one of the disciples. And there were a, a number of women there, a number of other people. And in verse 14, it says this. It says, they all met together and were constantly united in prayer, along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, and several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. And the reason I want to share that verse is because Mary wasn't just a spectator. She wasn't just a passive watcher of the event. Mary ended well. She ended up being very much engaged right in the thick of things of what God was doing when he birthed the church in the, in the book of Acts. And the reason that she was able to do that is because all of those things that we read about during Christmas brought her the place that she was totally thoroughly, fully on with what God was doing and the kingdom of God was coming and the church was seeing exciting, exciting things happen. And so what we see in Mary's life in these verses that we're going to read in just a minute prepared her for what God was going to do. And so in this message, I want us to see how God surprised Mary with his voice. How God surprised Mary with his voice, and how especially God spoke into Mary's life with a compassion and a love and a provision that said to her that all things were good and they were all in God's hands. And so before we read, we read the verses, let me share this, that there were really, in these, in these uh, short verses, there were really four ways that God spoke to Mary. Today we're going to look at three of them. And you're going to have to come back on Christmas Eve for the fourth way. So there's the teaser. You've got to come back for Christmas Eve now. Okay? So uh, how God spoke to Mary and caused her to settle in her own mind. You know, it's, it's really important to catch this. God spoke to Mary during these days when Jesus was being born, when they were going through this pilgrimage, when the prophets had spoken these things, and when Elizabeth spoke to her, and, and all, these, all these, the angels were stepping in, all of those things prepared her to say, not just, I love my child, Jesus, 
but oh, I love my Lord Jesus. And that's an important step for each one of us, not to just love Jesus at Christmas, but to love Jesus as Lord of every day of our lives. And so, so our passage this morning is going to show us three ways that God spoke to Mary to prepare us to, to, uh, to prepare her to be in the thick of things whenever the church was birthed in the book of Acts. And really, a lot of us, a lot of us, when we come to Christ, and many of us have been Christians for a long time, some of us have been Christians only for a short time, some of us may be inspecting and looking at Christianity, but we do that. We go through a pilgrimage, we go through a journey, we step into a uh, 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 maybe a relationship with another Christian, or we walk into church, and we go through the stages of, of kind of inspecting and, and watching from a distance. We go through the questioning stage. We, we spectate a while sometimes, don't we? But at some point, just like Mary went through her journey, each one of us has to come to the day when we're no longer inspecting, but we're jumping in full on. And that's what we see in what's going on in Mary's life. So let's take a look at these verses. We're going to look at, at Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and then we're going to jump into verse uh, 19 at the end, okay? So if you're in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to read while you read silently. It's probably going to be up on the screen also. Good, good. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Jesus was a descendant of King David, he had to go, because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient town. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, whom he, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. Let me stop at the word engaged, because I had to do a little bit of research on this, because Matthew tells us that he took Mary as his wife prior to this journey. And the word engaged here means that it was the betroth this was her betroth this was his betrothed wife. And so they had already taken that step to say, oh, yes, oh, yes, we're a couple. So, and that's a really important thing to recognize here because Joseph had, had come to the place where he was fully bought in as well. And we'll look a little bit at that this morning as we look through this passage. And so he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth, laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. And then jump to verse 19 and look what this says. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. And so this morning... I want us to look at three ways that God surprised Mary by speaking to her and declaring his love 
and his provision and his goodness to her. Because even at this point in the journey, it's interesting that there was was this real-time thing going on in Mary's mind. We look back on it and we read it and we... We read it in retrospect, and it was all good, and the nativity was a beautiful scene. And, but what Mary was going through was a day-to-day, God, I'm trusting you in this. Lord, you've got to come through on this. And so he, she and Joseph were, were really in real time going through this, this incredible journey of faith. And the first thing that God speaks to her is that God surprises her with his voice by giving her a husband. You know, when we read the story, it wasn't really a done deal until about this time that Joseph and Mary were really not just intended, but really a couple. In fact, it started with the angel speaking to Mary, didn't it? The angel speaks to Mary, and in obedience, Mary says to 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 the angel and says to the father, yes, I'll be obedient. I'm not sure what's coming. I'm not sure how this is going to work out, but I trust you and I'll be obedient. Then through an angel, Joseph had to go through the same process. And Joseph understood that that the child that Mary had was going to be the, the son of God and God was delivering. God was bringing a savior into the world. And so Joseph had to understand and obey as well. And, and Joseph was a good man. I mean, he, he, was wanted, he wanted to do right by Mary. But the angel visited, and he knew that he had to be in on this great thing that God was doing. And then a third thing that we don't recognize sometimes is that Joseph, in his wisdom, Joseph, in his wisdom, recognized this was a holy child, a holy time, and he, he maintained celibacy during those first months of being a couple. He recognized that this was a time that he needed by wisdom to respect Mary and respect that holy time that she was going through and honored that miracle that God was doing in her life. And so the first way that God speaks to Mary and surprises her by his voice is he provides her with a husband, a husband that would go with her and love her and walk through this journey with her. God did an incredible work in both Mary and Joseph. And through all of this, through all of this, God first speaking to Mary, then to Joseph, and preparing them to be husband and wife, God was declaring through his voice a love that would take them through this process. He was preparing them to be the husband and wife. And all of those things that happened to get them ready to be that couple. What did Mary do? Mary kept all these things in her heart and pondered them and thought about them and contemplated, what God are you doing in this day? What God are you doing in my life? And so the first way that he speaks, he speaks profoundly to her by providing her with a loving, faithful, wise husband. There's a second way that he speaks. God speaks to Mary as well through his voice by by fulfilling the prophecies that she had heard all of those years. The prophecies that she had been brought up on, she saw being fulfilled 
in all of those um, in, in all of these verses that we've been reading. And it's amazing how many prophecies there were that Jesus ended up fulfilling. Now, there was a, uh, a, a mathematician who was teaching one of his classes, and he challenged his class to do this. He said, I want you to, to uh, come up with the percentage, come up with the, the, the possibilities, the odds that Jesus would fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. And there were about 300 in the Old Testament that were f- fulfilled in Jesus' life. And so he said, okay, I'm going to make it easy on you. I just want you to figure out the probabilities of eight prophecies. Here are the eight prophecies. Tell me what the possibilities are, one in what, that all of these will be fulfilled in one man. So the class began digging around and doing the numbers and crunching all, all that they needed to do, all the data, and looking at all of, these, uh, all of these probabilities of each one of these eight out of the 300 prophecies. And they came up with this. They came up with a percentage or the probabilities of one in 10 to the 17th power. That would be one in 10 plus 17 zeros. That was just eight of the possibilities, or eight of the prophecies that were made about Jesus. Mary watched the miracles and the voice of the angel and the locations and the timing and all the things that happened to fulfill the prophecies that were in the Old Testament. Well, one of those prophecies is in our verses today that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Now, what are the odds of that coming together? First of all, they live in Nazareth. Bethlehem's 90 miles away, and there's no reason that she would have to travel 90 miles by foot or by donkey to fulfill this prophecy. But God took a pagan emperor 2,500 miles away in Rome who told a governor of really no other reason that we would know his name, named Quirinius, to do a census in these little towns in this faraway province of Rome. On the very month that Mary was to deliver a baby. And Joseph happened to be from the town of Bethlehem so that they had to travel to Bethlehem. God orchestrates those things in our lives and God orchestrated those things in Mary's life to declare to her that this was a good thing and he would carry her through this and the miracle birth that she was experiencing would be an incredible thing for the whole world. And this caused this this Galilean carpenter with a nine months pregnant wife to uproot her business, uproot his business, put her on a donkey and travel the 90 miles to Bethlehem so she could have the baby and fulfill a prophecy. And Mary was listening. And you know what Mary did? Mary stored up all these things, kept them all in her heart. And she thought about them often. 
God spoke to Mary through the miracles. God spoke to Mary through the timing. God spoke to Mary through the fulfilled prophecies. God spoke to Mary by getting her a wise husband. And there's a third way that God spoke to Mary. God surprised Mary by speaking through the simplicity that surrounded Jesus' birth. Now, no birth is simple. No birth is simple. It is a complicated, drawn out, sometimes noisy, sometimes not noisy, but it's a process. But the, the trappings and everything around Mary spoke about the simplicity that surrounded this verse. And in verse 6 and 7, we can learn that. To get to Bethlehem, they had to prepare for a 90-mile journey by donkey. Now, let's see. Does Google Map have travel by donkey settings? I'm not sure that it does, but 90 miles took about a week. They had to travel through the hill country. They had to go th across the river. They had to go through the woods beside the, um, the, um, 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 the, the, the riverside where sometimes the, the animals were and the dangers were. They had to go back up through the hill. They had to travel around Jerusalem and then get to the town of Bethlehem. And they did this by foot and by donkey. And by the time the caravan got through the hills and got past the forest and got around Jerusalem, the town of Bethlehem was full to overflowing. There was just no room to find a place to stay. Instead of a concierge or a porter to meet them at the door, the innkeeper pointed out back and said, there may be room in the stall out back. Instead of a room in a hostel or maybe a room even with family, they found a stable where there were animals and smells and all that go with that. Instead of a bed or a warm crib to put the baby in, they hobbled together and put together a feeding trough and some clean hay that became a temporary place, a temporary crib of warmth and safety and sleep for the baby Jesus. Instead of being surrounded by the family back in Nazareth, they were surrounded by whoever might have heard about the couple in the back in the stable who were having a baby. Now, granted, by the time the baby was ready to be born, probably the whole town had heard about this. The noise and the excitement and all that was going on had brought some people around. And there were probably other women around to help out with the birth, maybe even a midwife, but there were other women around to help out with the birth. Men, we were pretty useless at this time, so Joseph was probably out back. But here she was, surrounded by not family, but just whoever shows up. It was not a quiet process. And Mary's delivery may have been a complicated delivery, like any, any birth is. It is, a, it is a process. But the surroundings and the, the simplicity and the plainness of this temporary maternity ward spoke to Mary. It said to Mary, the purposes of God 
are far more valuable than the trappings and the comforts of life. And the ways of the kingdom aren't measured by temples or palaces. God's ways are not man's ways. And this was a very fitting place for the Savior of the world to be born. And what did Mary do? Mary stored up all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary took all those things that were happening in her life and she stored those up in her heart and thought about how God was doing an incredible work to bring the Savior of the world through her life. And then when Acts came and the church was birthed, she was primed to be right in the thick of things, right in the middle of God's kingdom coming and miracles happening and the church being birthed and the world being changed because she pondered all those things in her heart. And she knew that God had done an incredible work. She was able to not just love her child, she was able to love her Lord. She was able to make that step from being the mother of the baby Jesus to being a child of God and a servant of the one true God and a lover of the Lord Jesus. So worship team, would you come up? I want us to end. God speaks to us today as well through these verses. God speaks to us as well through these verses. And some of you, some of you have experienced miracles. God has spoken to you. God has met you. God has, has, has said things to you in your heart. Some of you have watched and experienced. And it may be a step that you need to take to say, I've watched, I've inspected, I've spectated, but I need to step in and jump in fully. And if that's you, we invite you not to leave here today, but to say yes to Jesus and the adventure the journey that he invites you to. God has a rich experience ahead for those who say yes to him. And so God's ver these verses speak to us as well. He can amaze us this Christmas. He can surprise us with his voice if we just listen. And you know what we do? Every time God moves and every time God speaks, every time God does a miracle, or every time God pushes us closer to himself, every time we see evidence of his hand, evidence of his kingdom, what do we do? We store those things up. We say, oh God, you are a good God who is bringing us to yourself. You are, you are declaring your love and your compassion and your provision to your kids. The message of Christmas is clear. Jesus came as a baby and he came to die on a cross. The message of Christmas is the message of the cross as well as the stable. And that's the message that we embrace today is that Jesus, the only son of God, came and died for you and for me so that we can have life abundant and life eternal. I want to pray with you. And if you would, just bow your head. And if this prayer is a part 
of what God has been stirring in your own heart. Just repeat it in your own mind, in your own heart. Lord Jesus, thank you that you came as a baby. Thank you, God, that you gave your only son. Thank you, God, that you looked through the ages and you saw my need and you saw my sin and you saw my loneliness and you saw my brokenness. You saw that I needed a Savior. And in your rich, rich love, you sent Jesus. And because of the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, I can know you and be forgiven. Lord, would you forgive me today? Make me holy and fully yours. I no longer am a spectator. I want to jump in to what your kingdom offers. Lord, fill me with your spirit and be my Lord and Savior. And we give you this Christmas and say to you that you are indeed a good, good father who has accepted us in the beloved, in the Lord Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.